Well, hello and welcome to episode four, season three, Theology on Tap. My name is Seth Mormon. I'm going to be your host for this episode. Joining me, I got Kaylee Lopez. Hello. Kevin Kreitzer. Good evening. Kyle Blake. What's up? And Mark Siegert. Hola. Somebody's always got to do that. That's great. Uh, Thank you guys for click and play on this podcast, uh, taking us with you on your drive uh, as you walk, as you clean the house, whatever you're doing when you listen to podcasts. As always, let let me remind you to subscribe, rate, comment on your preferred podcast platform. As a quick reminder, you can also connect with us on our Facebook page and via email. Links for those are in the show notes. If you've missed the previous episodes in this season, we encourage you to go back and listen to them. They're pretty good, I would say. Would you guys agree? I yes. think so. Yeah. Our we're, over- we're kind of biased on that one. Though. Yeah, I think so. I, I am too. I love them. Our overarching topic this season is the body of Christ. And in this episode, we're going to talk about why the body of Christ uh, kind of goes and what happens when it does. So grab yourself a cold beer, warm glass of milk, hot cup of tea, bottle of water, tumbler of bourbon. Mm. Ice or no ice, guys? What do you- Neat. Ice. Ice? Yeah, I'm an ice guy, too. Neat. All right. Uh, whatever you would like, uh, go ahead, pull up a chair, join us as a, uh, as we chat. Mark, don't start. Okay. I got a question oh. from a listener. Woo. So we're going to do a listener question uh, to get us started. Um, talking about uh, last episode, we talked about some of those experiences that kind of um, unify us together as the body of Christ. Uh, the question is, is reciting the Lord's Prayer one of the ways in which we experience the body of Christ with others? What do you, what do you guys think about that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think that, you know, both corporately and independently, I would say yes. It's kind of like uh, the Apostles' Creed or any one of the creeds. Um, although Athanasian Creed, people don't normally say on their own. It takes a little while it, to it get it takes that a, one. Yeah, a couple of days. Um, and so, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the purpose of doing some of these things corporately is whether I'm by myself or I'm together with everyone it's is we're praying with, as one voice you know yeah. as the as the body as the family I think about the the times that I have been um, at the bedside of somebody um, whose memory has probably or not probably his memory has gone you know there's not they, they don't recognize people or me and when we start saying the Lord's Prayer guess what their lips move. Yep, their lips move. Some of them can say every single word because they that that is that expression of faith that has not left uh, them. That is so deep inside of them. So yeah, I like that question. Uh, it we talked about you know communion and, and baptism, how that that kind of ties us through time. But yeah, whenever we um, pray the Lord's prayer or pray the Psalms, you know those kind of things that come from Scripture. Yeah, that's another thing that unites us through time with people. Awesome. Yeah, through time and space and um, whether they're uh, on this side of Arbor Road or the other side of Arbor Road, <laughs> you know, you just got to be careful when you're in some of those mixed companies. You know, do you say the last part of the, of the Lord's mm. prayer? prayer? Mm. Do you not say the last part of the Lord's prayer? All those kind of things. Oh, you say it. And then if oh, they yeah. all look at you funny, <laughs> you know you're not in the right. <laughs> you're not in the group you're used to being in. Right, exactly. Hey, if you got other questions, make sure uh, you send us an email, theologyontap1517 at gmail.com, and we would love to, uh, to answer your questions as well. So without further ado, Mark, uh, where are we headed tonight? Yes, uh, as Seth said, we're going to talk about why we go as Christians. The, f- the previous couple of episodes, we talked a couple different ways about why we gather as the body of Christ. And uh, instead of using the body of Christ tonight, I'm, I'm often going to use just the simple phrase, Christians, why we 
go as Christians. And um, in case it's not obvious, first let me make it clear, we do go as Christians. We don't just spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, sitting, letting God feed us and, and letting God be, you know, being gathered together by God. Christians go. Um, maybe that's obvious, but worth noting just in case. But why do they go? The, the truth is because God asks us to go. He he sends us, or if you will, calls us to go out. And and um, and then I think the next question is, what does he ask us to do when he calls us out? And I, there's a bunch of Bible passages, right, that could kind of uh, answer that question. But I have two that I just want to think about for a little bit. Um, from Micah chapter 6, verse 8, uh, a familiar verse, but uh, not necessarily easy. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So why does God call us out and send us out to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly? Ah, that's easy. Sure, right. <laughs> um, and then in, in uh, Matthew 28, uh, a very familiar Bible passage, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, and by the way, if we're believers, if we're members of the body of Christ, we're all disciples. And Jesus says to us, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. So wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Teach them to do everything I have commanded you, and remember, I am with you always till the end of time. So what does God expect of us when we go? Ah, it's just that simple. Bring justice, mercy, and humility to our neighbor and make disciples. Piece of cake. Right. <laughs> so there, there's obviously a little bit more that needs to be said then. Um, and how? How is it possible that the members of the body are, are able to uh, follow these instructions? And this leads to really one of my favorite topics. In fact, I think it's really my favorite topic, uh, something that I enjoy talking about. In fact, I'm going to have to be careful to um, not try to say too much this evening. And, and the, the topic is something that we refer to as vocation. That's this, the big catch-all word for vocation. And I just think the reason this is one of my favorite topics is the idea of vocation is it's a shining example of a worldview, a, a neighbor-oriented worldview uh, in, in Christian living. And it, and it just grows out of this foundation of grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone, and Christ alone. So we talked about those concepts in the first season of this podcast, and it's important for us to remember those those foundations and those pillars and understand what they mean but out of those grows this neighbor-oriented perspective uh, called vocation and it it can be easily misunderstood and over time and in different places it has been misunderstood and misapplied so let's throw some thoughts in the place that kind of help us understand uh, what vocation is all about first off we have to understand when we say vocation in these theological terms we have to understand that it's different than what we call occupation or our job. You know, if you're filling out a form for, for some reason, for whatever, you, you might be asked what your occupation is, and you'd put teacher or lawyer or something like that. Um, and then your job is maybe what you, what you do to make money, but the word vocation itself is, is, far, is more far-reaching than it. Um, vocation means calling. And the overarching call from God is wrapped up in those passages that we just discussed. But just as God equips the body when he gathers it, he also equips the body to do what he wants it to do when he sends the body out. And the wider understanding of vocation then also includes the calling from God, but the way that the members of the body get that calling done. 
So it's, it's far more than a way to validate some sort of financial or economic principle, which is kind of what our jobs do. Um, and in fact, sometimes when we talk about vocation in a theological sense, we might use that word economic or economics or economy. And the sad thing is, is in our society, when we think about that word, we think about it in a way that's strictly related to money. In fact, I've been a little frustrated over the last year because economy has been pitted against saving lives, as if, is it more important to worry about money or is it more important to worry about lives? And that's a complete misunderstanding of the word economy, not just in a theological sense, but I think in a, in a um, social science kind of sense as well. But back to theology. In, in theology, the word economy is used, um, and it is used in theological discussions. It's not used about talking about money. It's, it's used in the bigger, larger idea of something called, that I would call productive human activity. So economy is, involves human activity, productive human activity. So we'll just call it work. And there we are. Now we're back to, again, season one, where we're talking about work versus grace or faith. And we've talked about work and grace alone. We said apart from work or apart from works. So let me make a few comments here about work as, as we think about it in, in um, vocation. First off, vocation puts faith and works in their proper perspective. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone will remind us that we don't need our good works, but vocation reminds us that our neighbors do need our good works. So that's really where, where, where it, it comes in. But wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. So we can talk as Lutherans about works, like doing works? We can talk about works and faith together, not just as Lutherans, but Christians can. And in fact, not only can we, but I think we have to. We have to talk about works, and vocation helps us put this in its proper perspective. So we have to keep that in mind. That that's when we talk about vocation. We are talking about work, but we're talking about it in its proper perspective. And then just a, a sort of a philosophical point here, philosophically speaking, work is actually something that brings happiness to people. Philosophers have, over time, whether they're Christian or not, have often concluded that work that we do as humans, especially work that is beneficial to our society, well, work is often cited as the true source of happiness. So work, mm. hard work, leads to happiness, to our own happiness. So I know this is theological and not philosophical, but... So hold on. You're telling us that it's better to give than to receive? That's kind of what the philosophers have concluded. Oh. <laughs> Someone should say that or Shocking. write that down. <laughs> um, yeah. So theologically uh, and philosophically, yeah, work. And if that's the concept of economy, then we're putting it in its right perspective. And, and yeah, the ultimate goal is to bless neighbor, but it kind of might make us happy too, along the way. Um, so a few more quick thoughts about work as it's understood in the broader concept of vocation. Uh, since we're talking about work here in an American setting and from a Christian perspective, we might then, at least some of our listeners, might be kind of resonating or thinking about this thing called the Puritan or Protestant work ethic. And again, sometimes if that gets mixed up with vocation, it could muddy the waters a little bit. Uh, I have no problem really with the Protestant work ethic, but it, as it played out in America, 
it led to the misconception that people needed to use work to take care of themselves. They needed to use work and learn how to work hard so they could pull themselves up by their bootstraps. But again, vocation isn't concerned with self. Vocation is focused on neighbor and other. So besides all of that, discussions of vocation, um, really as they are as a theological concept, they completely predate our country. So it's, it's kind, of, kind of inappropriate to try to uh, apply vocation uh, specifically to an American thing. It, it, it transcends uh, cultures and countries and, and, and things like that. So wrapping things up here, all Christians, that is all members of the body, have a vocation in that God calls them all or sends them to bless their neighbors. And as we've seen this play out then over long periods of time and in many different worldly economic systems, we've also observed that all Christians have multiple callings or vocations and that they have multiple different ways in that, that they carry this out. And these vocations come from three big broad areas of life. Within our church, we have multiple vocations. And I'm going to read uh, a couple pages here from, not a couple pages, from a couple pages from a book All that I have. Pages, wow. <laughs> I'm going to read five pages from this book now. No, um, but this, this kind of sums it up. And so in our church life, we understand that there are um, pastors and teachers and youth ministers and missionaries that have a special vocation within the church. But as we've said, lay people also have um, vocations within this community of, of faith. Um, in it's part of their spiritual lives. They're, they're not called the full-time church work, but nonetheless, they do have different tasks in local congregations. Eh, it might be singing in a choir, serving on communities or, or um, on committees or, or different uh, activities in the church. So they have multiple applications or multiple vocations, and they bless the church. But we also have uh, multiple vocations that, that kind of belong to what we would call family. Being a father or a mother is part of our vocation. Son or daughter, brother or sister, nephew, uncle, grandmother, grandfather, all of these people, uh, all of these titles that we have are also vocations. And so one person might hold multiple vocations, even within a family. And then there's a third big broad category where, where vocations might, be, might come from. Um, Christians also have vocations as citizens of their community. Uh, which means that they might be legitimately involved in vocations related to politics or even civic involvement, cultural engage engagement, and um, all valid. All these are all valid forms of of vocations that might serve community. Uh, you could talk about farmers or police officers or lawyers or tailors or or even Martin Luther when he talked about this, he said even the brewer, the person that makes beer and beer you know beer barrels, is is part of a a vocation, as long as it's serving neighbor. So there you go. All of our, all of our um, Christian members of the body have these multiple vocations, and through these multiple, vocation, multiple vocations, this is how God is, is um, asking us to carry out his call to love and serve our neighbor. There you go. Man, that's a lot of stuff. Mark. Yeah, it is, and it's Holy like I told moly. I told you, it's it's so fun, and um, I could go on, but uh, I'll I'll stop for a while. <laughs> I think the I think the thing that we have to wrestle with is um, 
obviously, you know, there's an order, right? And my vocation is a father and husband is going to, is going to supersede my vocation as a called ministry worker. Um, because I mean, if I can't take care of my own household, right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and worse than an unbeliever, Timothy or Paul says in Timothy, but I, I do think you have to wrestle with, am I doing what's best for me or am I doing what's best for my neighbor? Yeah. And what does that look like? And, and then you also have to wrestle with who's my neighbor. Yeah. Which which neighbor am I doing the best Someone for? Someone asked that question. I know. <laughs> if and, only we knew the answer to that question. And we may not necessarily like the practical today application. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, because the, the short answer to when Jesus was asked that question is, your neighbor is the person that you don't like, or at least also the person that you don't like. So serve the person that you don't like, too. It's really... And that's a hard answer. And you're right. That means it's it's something we have to wrestle with. Well, and, and I think that oh, – I'm just going to go there. I think part <laughs> of the thing that we, we're struggling with in our country is who is our neighbor and what's the best way to serve that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because we have neighbors who are hurting mm-hmm. that we're called to love and to serve, and and there is debate about how do you best do that. Or who should be doing the action. Right. You know, is it is it my action for my neighbor in their time of need, or am I gonna you know walk by on the other side of the road and let somebody else take care of it because that's where my tax money goes? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that that's there. There's a lot of debate. Is probably a a, a soft word for it. Uh, I, I'm trying. I am trying to dance right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm just being oh, yeah. honest, right? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, there, there's I, just because I said this is my favorite topic doesn't mean it's easy. And then uh, suddenly, I in the last spent the last ten minutes throwing out all the answers. It's really hard. Well, I think some people think that you know the the um, the answer of what do Christians do is maybe only wrapped up in you know that Micah six eight and Matthew twenty eight, but they have such a narrow view of it. Mm-hmm. You know that it's going to you know bring justice to the people I like. It's going to love mercy to those people who I can be merciful to and, you know, that I haven't already judged. And to walk humbly because look at how good I am. I've done all those things. Now I'm <laughs> going to be a humble person about it. And because I'm doing that, then, therefore, I have been, I'm making disciples of those nations. You know, mm-hmm. where, where there, there, it's, it's way more complex than just simply some, some living out a couple of Bible passages. You know, um, Luther starts to wrestle with this when he talks about the three estates. You know, when he talks about we live in those three different estates, you know, the, the church, the family, and the state. And we have different roles. Like you said, Kai, we have different roles within right, those. Right. And, and, and where am I in the family? And where, um, what is my vocation in this family? And, and, and there are times when we get those, the order of those messed up. You know, when I have spent, and I'm going to talk about me, where I have spent more time in the vocation that pays me than in the vocation of being husband or, or father, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's where it becomes really difficult. Right. And that isn't just a threat within people who work in the church. If, if people look at their vocation as the place where I get paid and I have to be a responsible bill payer, so I better earn the money, then that will distract us from our other, other well, estates. And, and if you take your greatest, self-identity mm-hmm. from where you get paid rather mm-hmm. as being 
a child of God, mm-hmm. part of the body, so to speak, right? If, you're, if your greatest identity is who you are as a member of the body, then all these other things are put into a different perspective than if your greatest identity is whether it is the place you get paid or the place you volunteer. You know, yeah. everyone knows me, I'm the coach or, you know. Well, and, and, I, and I think the other struggle that I've seen in vocation is, is that, you know, say somebody got a job at, at Boeing, all right, and they're an engineer and they're making the, the, new, the new airplane, you know, that they're going to do. And, and if, they, if, if they are have a, 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 and they're Christian, they go to church and they, they're reading their Bible. And if, if they think that their main job is to then convince the people that they work with that they should be going to church, mm. that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you've been called as an engineer to make an airplane to serve your neighbors, to get them safely, to get people safely off the ground to the place where they need to go, you're actually going to be serving your neighbors by doing a darn good job of, of, of being mm-hmm. a, you know, a, an engineer. And I want you, I don't want you to be thinking about that person who's in the cubicle next to you about, I'm going to invite them to church and you mess up your math. And then I get into that plane and then you got, you know, issues of that plane coming down. Yeah. I, I want you to do your job, your vocation the best way you can so that you're, you're going to serve. I, I want, I'm going to be your neighbor at some point. I think what's really hard about this topic, so I mean, my my mind is swirling right now, um, because what's really hard in this topic today in America is we have politicized everything. Oh, you, yeah, but I'm saying like you know you, you could even you, you know, what does it look like to act justly? What does it look like to love mercy? You know what does it look like to walk humbly? Um, and I can say, oh, I, I believe it looks like this. Oh my gosh, you are a, you know, you're X, mm-hmm. you know, or I think it looks like this. No, you're Y. And, and, and so as we're talking here, right. I mean, we're talking theology on tap, mm-hmm. you know, we're not talking politics on tap. Sure. Right. Um, but it's hard not to go there. It, it really it's is. It's very hard. And I'm, I mean, I can only imagine a listener like, you know, oh, you know, if, if, if you know us personally, you know, you might know some of our leanings or whatever. It's like, oh, this, this could be fun, right? <laughs> and I think that, but I think that that's one of those things that we just, as a, as a family, as a body, that we need to be able to like sit down and talk about and not yell at each other or not automatically go to, you know, oh, you're a this or you're a that. Because and you don't you don't see vocation the way I see vocation, right? You know, and and then all of a sudden we we then what happens is we have division in the body because we mm-hmm. haven't let let Christ rule, and then having discussion as that is like what is the best way to do these things for the sake of neighbor? We've allowed our own political ideology to rule, and I think that's a very difficult thing to say. Like, hey, part of being a, a good citizen, right, is voting, and I'm going to vote this way, you know, but part of being a part of the family of God is be able to sit down and to talk and to listen and to empathize and to bear one another's burdens. And, you know, it's like, if this part of the body's hurting because my particular political party may not recognize that or, or does recognize that, you know, we, we have to stop and go, okay, I got to put this part of my brain aside, which anytime you turn on any type of device now that, that mm. is engaged, and say, what does it look like to really love this neighbor, you know, and to listen? Uh, to me, uh, Kyle, I'm not trying to d- diminish that because that wrestling that you're talking about is very real. But to me, part of what's wrapped up in vocation that it, that I really didn't mention here is that 
is this humble understanding that no solution is ideal. You know, the salvation that Jesus brought on the cross is perfect and complete. And the serving of our neighbor is always going to be fraught with, with um, new challenges. And we're never going to be done with that. And so if I say, my way is the best way, and it'll get that job done completely, and that, that's why your, your way is, is immaterial, that's where the conversation breaks down when we can simply, when we can go back and say, both of these ways are not going to get to utopia, but maybe there is one of them that's, let's try one of them, you know, without dishing on the, on the other person, you know, and maybe that can, can solve the, the, some of the conflict because when we start to put in perspective of the salvation on the cross is one thing, the serving of neighbor is, is, something we need to address but it's different well and i, and I think that even though you know it's it's seeking to understand rather than be understood mm. right it it's i love you enough because you're my brother or sister in christ to say hey help me understand why you say that or why you think that rather than automatically going to that's not the right way or right. that's not the best way or you know what i mean and that's where the walking humbly part yeah. comes in yeah. right is it's in my in my vocation to have the humility to realize that it has been won for me on the cross. I am a sinner, right? And and so, you know, myself inclined I, I am a sinner. I, I struggle with brokenness. Mm-hmm. I struggle with brokenness with um, you know, between relationship here and relationship with my heavenly father, right? And and so in that, realizing that, hey, maybe my perspective is not the best and I need to listen to other people in the body. And why, why do you feel that way? Why do you think that way? I think that's what scares people. Like Mm -hmm. it's all well and good to say it's better to seek to understand than to be understood. And I agree with you. I just think there's so much fear that if I make that choice to listen to you and understand and let those walls down, you might influence and I might actually be forced to think about my opinion I may be forced to try to understand why I believe what I believe. And maybe, just maybe, I might find out I'm wrong or I'm being prideful or I I haven't thought about it from that point of view. And I think that scares people because, I don't know, independent thought seems to be kind of going to the wayside mm-hmm. a lot. Um, you know, I we've all heard the sheeple for whatever reason, uh, thrown out and people, the I think what? they're, they're afraid. Someone who's, they're a just sheeple? a sheeple. They, you're they, a sheep. You're oh. just a sheep following along with everybody else. <laughs> okay. You ever well, heard I, sheeple? I haven't heard <laughs> sheeple. Go along to get along. And some of that yeah. is, is probably problematic in our day because we've been collectively unable to agree that it's okay to be, to disagree without being disagreeable. Mm. And we've kind of gotten to the point, if someone disagrees with you, they're anathema, mm-hmm. right? Uh, cut them off, right? Period. Cancel and, and Or if they disagree with you, they will cut you off, period. Mm-hmm. And so there's very little grace to disagree on some big issues because we could disagree on big issues and still agree on the biggest one. Right. It, you know, it, it, if we can't, it's going to be a pretty small body. Uh, to, you know, to recognize the true global reality of the body is going to also recognize not everyone's going to agree on all issues, even some vastly 
big ones that are important to people will have vastly different opinions on them. And yet, and, and yet God still loves them. And yet, and that, still and, God died on the cross for them. And if you can love them too, that's well, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to I'm going to anathematize them. I'm going to, you know, understand they are my sibling in Christ and love them wholeheartedly, even though I disagree on this issue. Everybody knows the Steelers really are the only football team worth paying oh, attention stop. to. Right? Wow, if it only so, were that easy. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. But I'll right, still right. love my Patriot fan over there. Uh, you I don't know. know. Uh, um, I, don't, like, I don't know. You, th- you look at Christ, right? And there are multiple times throughout Scripture where he encountered somebody that their way of life, their thought process or what they're doing, he vehemently disagreed with. But in every, every act, every word, in those moments with those people, love was the first thing. It covered all. And I mean, obviously Christ is the example of walking humbly, sure. seeking justice and mercy. Um, but I mean, if we look at his example, he didn't come out of the gate swinging. Oh, you're a prostitute. Oh, you are, well, in a different way, he came out of the gate swinging. But like condemning them for their act, for thievery, for being a liar, for being a sinner, whatever it is, he spoke the truth in love to them and formed that relationship with that neighbor he disagreed with, uh, with that lifestyle he was not okay with because, as you guys said, he chose to die on the cross for us. But he did come out swinging when it came to the the, the reli- Pharisees, the religious establishment. Well, yeah, because they were when it not came to, being humble. This is the way. That this is the way. But right. But he did have the conversation with Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. He didn't just say, "Oh, you're one of them, Nicodemus. I, I'm well, not going to talk to you." No, 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 no. no. I, and I'm not saying he he canceled anyone. Yeah. Right. But the way that he, you know, he basically. The religious establishment. I mean, even with that conversation with Nicodemus, and you're referring to John chapter three. You mm-hmm. should go home and read that. Uh, <laughs> you know, but you know, even then though, he's kind of calling them out. I mean, it's almost like a backhanded, like you should know this, dude. You're the religious yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're the know-it-all. You're the Pharisee. You should be telling me this, right? And and it's because I believe, and I could be wrong, right? There's other pastors in the room, so you get to call me out. <laughs> Um, it's because, and I'm including you in that, by the way, Kaylee, Thanks. and we can argue <laughs> about that because you're, we're going to see things differently. Um, but it's because of the fact that it's like, I think the religious were like, nope, this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, are you leading with love? Are you leading with, with seeking justice and acting mercy and walking humbly before God? Are you leading with God is God and I am not? Or are you leading with, this is my way, so therefore this is the way? Well, I mean, throughout Scripture, you see that those who are teachers or preachers or in the position that the um, Pharisees or Sadducees were in, they have a great responsibility to lead the people of God correctly. Not just in the laws of God, but also the grace that we see throughout the Old Testament of the Savior to come. They have this responsibility and God does not give it lately. They are not supposed to take it up lately, yet they are not doing what they have been asked or called. They're not doing what their vocation says they need to be doing. And so Christ is calling that activity out. And so like, yes, when we disagree with people, I think we need to, there are two different roads, right? Maybe the act that that person is taking, we approach it one way 
or we approach it another mm. way. And I think, you know, Christ saw who he was talking to um, and chose how he was going to approach that situation, coming out of the gate swinging, saying, hey, um, from my father, you have this job and you're not doing it the way that you've been called to do. And that's that's a problem because you can't mislead God's people um, in the teachings. And then, oh, oh, you're misled. Hey, let's have this conversation. Mm. Let's talk through this. Let's Let's walk through this together. I think you also have to look at who is who you're talking to. Yeah, it's part of. I mean, part of vocation is parent, right? Is discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, in in the body of Christ, you know, with with those, it wasn't like he let. Don't uh, try to discipline your spouse, though. Just yeah. just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, even in those engagements, it, it isn't exactly a light thing that he mm-hmm. puts upon someone who is not a church worker when he says, go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- there's been no right. no, no yeah. shortage of love that is poured out, but that's a pretty big swipe, right? Hey, go and sin no more, not only because it's an impossible task for a sinner, but that's also a calling out, up till now, your vocation has been actually to sin and mm-hmm. to promote it and to engage in it and to invite others and incorporate them into it. Let's go and do that no more. And, and Kevin's referring to John chapter eight, verses one through 10. You should read that too. Anyway, <laughs> um, I, I, I think, and I agree. And, and what, actually one of what has become one of my favorite verses in scripture is in Romans chapter two, where it says, isn't it the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that, that mercy that God has shown us, that love that God has shown us. And then, and then conversely, it's like, wow, when I get into the light, I realize that the stuff I've been doing is pretty dark. You know, and, and and I want to live in this light, and so there is a, a part of repentance of that as well. You got to look on your and face, Kevin. The and reason I'm smiling is that, uh, I, I'm I've been waiting to say that we're talking deep stuff, and that's great. Um, and s- sometimes a few of you have said this is hard, and I agree with that. At the same time, I've wanted to say all night mm. there. Th- this is kind of easy, and it's beneficial from where I'm sitting in our studio tonight because no one else sees this. But right in front of me, there is a banner that says, be these. And there is a salt shaker and a light bulb on it. And in some respects, that's that's the whole life of vocation. Wherever you are at, whatever you are doing, be these, right? Uh, the opposite of a light bulb is easy, right? I mean, you know, you're right. That's the darkness. That's the darkness. You know, I'm the only one in here who would say the opposite of, Salt is hot peppers because <laughs> I'm the wimp on the hot pepper side. But, you know, be these. It, it is that simple, which is very, very difficult because we gravitate towards the darkness. Right. Uh, we gravitate towards our flavor, not being flavor. Right. Right. So. And it's that self-centeredness is which gets us into trouble. And when, we're, when we are so focused on self, we are unable to see neighbor. And when we are so focused on self and we can't see neighbor, we can't serve neighbor. And if we're not serving neighbor, we're not doing what we've been called to do as the body of Christ. It's not really vocation. Yes. Work. Um, (laughs) I have a quick thing because we we do this a lot. We we talk, 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 talk. And then sometimes we don't define uh, what we're talking about. And so we've been speaking a lot towards mercy. And I think it would be good to define mercy Mm. because I think currently we're living in a culture, in a world that may not understand mercy because it's not being shown to them. So here's my question to you. When we are told to seek mercy or give mercy, well, I don't know, what is it? Walk humbly, seek justice, do mercy. Do mercy, I think it's in you. <laughs> All right, so 
what is mercy? How would you define that for somebody who maybe has never been shown mercy? Actually, love mercy. Sorry. It, it, it do justice, love mercy. But yeah, the question still stands. What's mercy? Anyone on the panel want to take a swing at that? Cricket. Okay. I mean, I have I, an easy thing I do with my uh, confirmation kids. We talk about grace and mercy, and mm-hmm. really those two things go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes as you're reading through Scripture, you're talking about different things. It can be easy to throw those terms out and maybe goof them up, get them confused. Uh, and so with the kids, we talk about, um, hold on, grace is getting something that you do Don't. not deserve, and mercy is not receiving something that you do. So, for example, uh, as a teenager, if I am coming home past curfew, I know that I'm going to be punished for that. Um, And maybe, you know, I was only a few minutes late, but my dad, uh, being a police officer, very strict on that. You don't walk into a police officer's house after 11 o'clock when you're told to be home at 11 o'clock. There were a few times I was given mercy, and he said, oh, it's only like 11.02, that's fine. And so I didn't receive that punishment that I truly deserved for not following the rules, not listening, or whatever it may be. So I was shown mercy in those moments. And that's interesting because I think it sort of works with what Kyle was saying earlier. Uh, Not giving something that we think they deserve means we have a neighbor here that we want to not do something nice (laughs) <laughs> to this neighbor for whatever reason we think they deserve not our best and mercy is giving that person their best anyway and look we're called to love doing that kind of mercy and that's not easy mm-hmm. back, to, know, back to back it to it should the, the be heart, you know right. <laughs> you know i mean you you talk about um it's easy to show mercy to people that like, okay, you, you still are in the society that we 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 are used to. Yeah, I, I can show you mercy, right? It, it's difficult when you start talking about working with individuals who are outside of societal norms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what does it look like as individuals? What does it look like as a, as as a church to love mercy when it comes to, you know? I don't know, let's say gang members sure, or formerly incarcerated individuals, yep. <laughs> you know. Um, and I think that that's a, that goes back to what Kaylee was saying is it's like, man, I, I don't want to like actually have to sit and talk about that because then I have to go against my own thoughts right. and I feelings. I might be confronted in my feelings and thoughts. Yeah. Or like, you know, if there is a specific sin or something that somebody does that just cut you to the heart, you can't understand why that act would happen. How dare you do that? It is upsetting to you to even think about the possibility of showing mercy to something that you hate so much. That can be incredibly painful. Um, And so there's a lot of layers you have to get through, maybe in your own self, to look at how can I show mercy when I am utterly disgusted or upset or hurt um, or offended? It should be... you. be these, be the salt and light, that's easy. But when you get down and look, there there can be a lot of gray for somebody, and mm-hmm. it's not so black and white anymore. And again, this isn't made to be the panacea fix-all answer to that, but perhaps it makes it easier if you remember 
we really have nothing to lose. Showing mercy to that person that I really, really, really don't want to show mercy to, I have nothing to lose because my salvation cannot be taken away from me. And I think sometimes we think, I've got something to lose. If I do that, show mercy to that person, it might cost me something. And I suppose it might cost you something, but even that something is always only temporal. Your eternal salvation is still with you. Again, that passage I read, there's a reason why Jesus says the last part of that. I am with you to the end of the age. That's, that's a given. And sometimes it helps to kind of keep that in mind and to say, look, there's, I'm not risking as much as I think I am to do this. And part of it also maybe begins with starting with how much grace and mercy I have received mm-hmm. from God, mm-hmm. right? When, when compared, some of us are preaching this weekend. We're uh, recording this the week before Trinity Sunday. Isaiah 6 is always part of the text. And one of the things that I've uh, been enjoying and thinking about it this week is that Isaiah says, woe to me, I am a man of unclean lips. Unclean lips. lips. I mean, when you think about it, you know, I mean, how many things can you think of that are far more horrifying than having a potty mouth? I mean, Isaiah doesn't (laughs) say, woe to me, I murdered my wife. (laughs) Woe to me. I, you know, yeah. did X, Y, and Z. It's, woe to me, I used a four-letter word. Well, right? I mean, it, it, you know, I need mercy for that. If God, you know, if God's absolute holiness, God is absolutely holy, compared to my unholiness, sinfulness, right. unholiness, uncleanness, you know, and that I, need, I need mercy for even one foul word. Well, and I think that there's know, a reason. And I've been given it. There, there's a reason right. why Isaiah mentions his lips is because he knows God is asking him to be his to prophet and, speak. Yeah. And, and speak his word. And guess what? Even in that Matthew 28 passage, God is still asking us to mm-hmm. teach people all the words that I have. So we're still speaking those words. Well, and I think that, you know, from a theology of the cross type, you know, when we stand before the cross, we're all, it's an equal playing field. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in our society, there are, these are things are okay, these things are not okay, these are the, the consequences that go along with it. But when we're all standing in front of the cross, the consequence that goes with the four-letter word or killing my wife is vastly different, and that's a good thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> but not before the cross, not before. No, in, in, in the, in the, on the. On the state level. On the state level, well, yeah. That's I a mean, good thing, oh, man. Dude, I would be like yeah. doing life in prison, <laughs> let me just tell you. I probably have the worst mouth in this room. Um, I'm, it's everything I could do not to curse on the podcast. Yeah. So, cause we don't want the little explicit. No, thing, we so. don't want, we yeah. don't want that one. But on before, there. before God, but before, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Before God, yeah. right. It's, it's the same. Yeah. It's exactly the same. Yeah. A- and, and when you look at it and when you think about it that way, you know, Hey, my salvation secured, not because of anything I did, but because of what's been done for me. And the person next to me... And that may, was both mercy and grace being right. applied in mounds to me. And, and the person next to me may not know that, may not have experienced that, may not realize that. And sometimes it's both inside the church and outside mm-hmm. the church, mind you, right? It becomes like, what does this look like to love my neighbor? You know. Well, that was going to be my question of, yeah, for somebody who's secure in their salvation, sure, may not cost us anything, but... How, because part of this is as Christians, what, how do we go? Right. And, uh, I think we have a sign. I'm sure we have a sign somewhere in the church. As you're leaving the church, it Mm. says you're now entering the mission field. It's by the back door, by the way. Yeah. I've, I don't think I ever walked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but so that's my question is, um, how do we 
entertain those conversations and those relationships where maybe to us showing mercy, not like, yeah, what you're saying, it doesn't cost us anything, but maybe for somebody else, it does cost them a lot. It costs them something they're holding on to. It costs them something else. Um, and so as Christians, we have to go into that mission field. And how do you go into that mission field and show somebody what mercy is all about and that it doesn't cost them to show mercy or to show love when everything they've ever seen is it actually does. It does cost me something. It costs me something great, maybe who I am, something I stand for, um, or whatever that may be. Or the person has never experienced it. They've never experienced somebody giving them mercy. It's just been judgment heaped upon them time and time again. And, and that first time that somebody, you know, says, well, all right, you know, I'm, I'm going to treat you. I'm not going to give you what you deserve. They're like, well, really? And it's kind of too good to be true. And if they're not going to see that from a believer, how are they ever going to understand that Jesus does that as well? Mm. You know? Oh, I mean, I always go back to the story of talking to my buddy Jose and he look at me and he looks at me and says, you know, you tell me Jesus forgives me, but how come the church never has? Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think that there's, and, and the hard part is that we live in a society you know, where there's somebody's going, oh, well, you know, you can't have these people working with the, you know, kids or you can't have, you know, I mean, it, which is true. I mean, that's, that's, we still live in a broken world, but, but it's, but yet how do we treat those people in the midst of that? You know, how do we, how do we learn to love and walk alongside of individuals, you know, in the midst of that? Um, how are we salt and light? In the and that's midst where of it very, becomes really hard, yeah. really difficult. Well, and, and, and Mark, I don't know if we, if we went down the road that you were planning on us to, 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 to trod tonight, but I think there are some really good, good things. Anybody's got some last uh, kind of th- words we're on, to kind we're of... We're on last thoughts already? We are on last thoughts already. Can you believe it? <laughs> I feel like it? I could just keep talking. I, I told you, this is, yeah. we, could, we could keep doing this for a long could've time. could have talked all night. <laughs> <laughs> always a song. There's always a song. Although that's dance, but yeah. There is a, uh, uh, a catechism for those of you who are not part of the body or a particular body, you know, a, a document that we say, this is stuff we believe and hold to be true. Um, the catechism maybe helps in some of this conversation, which isn't necessarily vocation, but it's probably tied in. And, and it's when you are dealing with someone who maybe has a completely different view than you do on something, your first priority is to put the best construction on all things. Um, and part of the way we're salt and light is by saying, I don't have the same opinion. I don't understand how you could believe that is, is not, you know, where you necessarily go. It's, oh, you think that? Okay. I'm not going to automatically accuse you of being dumb. Yeah, you might be. Um, maybe, maybe I don't understand. Help me. Right? You're, you're yeah. a reasonable human being. Yeah. And you, you must have come to that conclusion by a reasonable means. Yeah. I, I, let's, so let's, let's talk about yeah. this. Help uh, me to understand. Let's, let's not fight about this. Let's, I'm going to put the best construction on it. You, you have done due diligence to consider this. 
Yeah, it's right, kind of like it's kind of like having to root for the Steelers. I just don't understand yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's I've done my due diligence, <laughs> but but you know, I'd love to hear that sometimes. And nobody knows that. why I like the Cowboys either. But yeah. <laughs> the Cowboys, knows. Anyways, yeah. just kidding. Nobody knows. That. Um, I'm a man without a team, but that's another whole story. Um, well, again, if you've got questions about the things we discussed tonight, please send us an email: theologyontap1517 at gmail.com. Uh, again, you can continue the conversation with us on our Facebook page. We've got links for uh, the email and the Facebook page in the show notes. And uh, we'll be back next week for episode five of this season. Um, Mark, we forgot to talk about this ahead of time, but w- where are we headed? Do we remember? Well, it, it's another uh, different way of asking the question on why else we might go out. Uh, and we've sort of had, had some subcategories under that in which look like more doing witnessing. So in, in okay. st- instead of justice and mercy, now how can we be a witness? So we'll, we'll continue the discussion in, in that sense. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Mark. From all of us here, we thank you guys for listening, and we will see you guys on the next episode of Theology on Tap. Adios. Good night, Good night,